Good morning, everyone. My name is Rob. If you're new here, I just want to remind you today we have a, a place in the foyer with a, a big sign on the wall that says, I'm new. And if you go there, we have a gift for you, and we'd love to have the opportunity just to introduce ourselves to you today. Um, we are going to start a new series today talking about habits. So let me, a, f- a number of years ago, I was having some problems with my skin, and so I had to go to a dermatologist, and one of the things I appreciated about this doctor was he was bound and determined to figure out what was, I was allergic to and what was going on. And so he sat me down and he asked me a number of questions, and he was most interested in my morning and my evening routine. Uh, You know, he wanted to know exactly what happens when you get up. What's the first thing you do? You know, what is your morning routine for cleaning up and getting ready to go? What kind of products do you use? And I said, I just get up and I go to the coffee machine. That's all you need to know about my morning routine. Uh, The number one priority, I will step over people in need to get to my espresso machine. Uh, But he was just so interested in my morning routine and then evening, what do you do? What do you, you know, what... Do you wash your hands? Do you brush your teeth? What's the order in which you do all of these things? And so I finally just asked him, I was like, why, you know, why all these questions? And he said this to me, he said, everybody has the exact same morning and evening rituals. This, our mornings and our evenings look almost identical each and every day of the week. And maybe even as you think about this morning, when you woke up to the time that you left your house Your morning routine is very, very consistent. And his line was, you know, it's all about habits and trying to figure out which of these habits is causing your problems. Well, today we're going to talk about habits because habits really do, they shape our lives. They shape the quality and they shape the direction of our lives. And we're going to be talking about spiritual habits in particular. And we're going at the end of the service to be issuing a challenge for all of us to participate in a series of spiritual habits together over the next three weeks. So we'll get to that a little bit later. One of the things that is so fascinating when you read the Gospels and the account of Jesus is that time and time again, Jesus had a habit and made a priority of spending time in prayer with his heavenly Father. That time and time again, Jesus would go and spend time in prayer with his heavenly father, not because he had finished everything he had to do in the day and so now he could relax, not because everybody that needed help had been helped, and not because he was so absolutely exhausted and he'd worn himself out and burnt himself up that he had to just kind of crawl into the Lord's presence to get a little bit of energy for the next day. No, Jesus made a habit on a regular basis of spending time in his Father's presence. Let me read this verse from you from Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, The news about Jesus spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of all their sicknesses. But Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Imagine going to see Jesus, me with all of my skin problems, waiting in line all day, and it's just about my turn, and Jesus says, I'm leaving to go pray, and he leaves me there unhealed. This is what happened in Jesus' ministry again and again. People would come looking for him, but if there was a priority for prayer, Jesus would walk away from people in need to spend time with his heavenly Father in prayer. It's almost as if he didn't have a Messiah complex. Go figure. And we've talked about this before. 
When Jesus was going off to pray, it wasn't because he was just simply role modeling to you and I that we ought to spend time in prayer. Jesus needed to pray. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, needed to pray. He was not just kind of going off to show us what to do. Um, I think sometimes when we read about Jesus going off to pray, he think, well, he went off and then as soon as no one could see him, he got out his phone and started playing Wordle or checking his email because, of course, he's Jesus. He doesn't need to pray. No, he needed to pray. The Jesus in Philippians chapter two, chapter 2 says that when Jesus came as the Son of, to, to earth as the Son of God, when he entered into human form, that he emptied himself. And theologians believe that he set some of his power aside. He was still perfect. He was still the Son of God. He was still sinless. But he set some of his power aside, and the way that he accessed that power was through prayer. In other words, Jesus went and met with the Lord, and the Lord gave him what he needed for everyday life, for the life and for the ministry that he was going to undertake. So if Jesus needed to spend time in prayer to find what he needed for the work that God had called him to do and the life that God had called him to live, how much more for us? How much more for us that we need this time, that it's life-giving time? And can we start to imagine the difference that our lives would, would make in our lives if we, on a regular basis, found opportunities, created space for us to step into the Lord's presence, to meet with Him, and to find for our lives what we need in these moments. Because what we're going to talk about in this series on spiritual habits, the thing I want us to talk about today, is that the purpose of spiritual habits, the, the goal of our spiritual habits, is that we would become transformed into the likeness of Christ. And that it is so important that before we embark in any practices and before we give you a list of things to do or give you any kind of homework, that for each of us it's crystal clear in our minds what it is we hope happens with those times. So let's turn today to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read from verses 12 to 18. It's on page 1797 if you're using the Red Pew Bible or the Bible in front of you. Or you can look it up on your phone as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, start reading at verse 12. But I want us to give a little context because in this passage, Paul refers to an Old Testament story that we need to kind of get reminded about. Paul's going to talk about an encounter um, where Moses comes and demands that he gets to see the Lord. Moses had the worst job ever. He had to lead the grouchiest, miserable group of people through the wilderness for 40 years with constant problems and constant grumbling. He had the worst job. And Moses got to this point where he had had it. He wanted to kill these people. And he finally just went to the Lord and begged him and said, I need you to show me yourself. I need you to reveal yourself to me. I need you to give me something. If I'm going to lead these people... <laughs> You need to give me something because they're driving me crazy. And so Moses goes to the Lord and says, would you, would you show me your face as some kind of token in good faith that you're not going to leave me, that all of this is worth it and that you're this good? And so the Lord says this to him. There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but not my face, for it cannot be 
seen. God is holy, Moses is sinful, and God says, you can't see me face to face. I'm going to put you in this place. I'm going to put my hand, I'm going to go by, and at the last minute, I'll remove my hand, and you can just kind of see the last part of me as I go. So Moses goes up to the mountain. He receives the Ten Commandments. Um, He has this encounter with the Lord, and it says that when Moses came down from the mountain, he was radiant. His face was shining, so much so that he started to wear a veil over his face because it was so impactful or distracting or difficult for the people who were around him. And this became the habit. Moses would go into the Lord's presence, and he would come out transformed, in a sense, And so he started to wear this veil on a regular basis. So with that as background, let me start reading at verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put on a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read it's not, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Are being transformed into his likeness. Paul is creating a comparison here for us. We don't need to go up to the mountain to be in the Lord's presence. The Lord's presence lives within us through the Spirit of Christ. We're not reliant on lugging around big stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on them. We have the Spirit shaped onto our hearts. And Paul's point is this. Time and time again, as we go into the Lord's presence, as we spend time with Him, we should notice over time that we're being changed that we're becoming more and more like Christ. It's as if Christ is living his life through our life. We have our own personality, our own passions, our own interests, all of those things, but it's like Christ is living his life through us. I love in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, God says, I've predestined all believers to be conformed to the likeness of of my son. I think about John the Baptist who was getting the way ready for Jesus to come. And when Jesus finally came, his his mantra was those powerful words. He says, he must increase. I must decrease. More of Jesus, less of me. And so the heart of the Christian faith, the goal of discipleship, the hope for our practicing any spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits is that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. Moses goes into the Lord's presence, comes out radiant. Jesus meets with the Heavenly Father and finds what he needs. And Paul is calling you and I on a regular basis to go into the Lord's presence and to experience the transformation. And that's what we're going to be encouraging each of us to participate in um, for a number of weeks starting next week. Now, here's the thing. 
Whenever we talk about practicing spiritual habits or disciplines like prayer, scripture reading, reflection, confession, all of these things, we have an emotional response. Can you guess what it might be? Is it joy? Is it guilt? It's guilt. Let me, let me read some phrases to you, and you tell me if you've ever said these to yourselves or thought these. Well, I'm not a very good Christian because I really don't read my Bible very much. I'm not a very good Christian because, you know, I really don't pray as often as I should, and the truth is, I'm not even sure I like praying. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a, I don't really attend worship as much as I ought to. You know, I've been thinking for years I should start volunteering and helping out in some way, but I haven't really done that yet. Has anybody ever said that to themselves? <laughs> now, if you and I were going to have coffee, here's one of the things I would want, and you were to say that to me and kind of share that thought, here's what I would want to make sure that you get right and that I get right in my own heart because it gets mixed up so easily. And this is the difference between ends and means between the goal, what we're hoping for to see happen in our life, and the things that will help us get there. The win or the ends is that we become more like Jesus. That is what we are looking for in our lives, that inside-out transformation fueled by the Holy Spirit. That is the goal for the Christian life. That as we become more like Jesus, we are showing His glory to the world. And the things that help us get there our prayer, scripture reading, worship, Sabbath keeping, confession, and on and on and on. There's multiple ones that you can participate in. But the reality is in my life, and maybe this has happened to you too, I can get them mixed up. And I think the point of the Christian life is to read the Bible more. The point of the Christian life is to spend more time in prayer, to serve more, to give more, to go to worship every single Sunday that there is. And in time, we get the two mixed up and we think, because I've read my Bible, now I'm a good Christian. Because I've spent some time in prayer, now I'm a good Christian. These are all wonderful, beautiful, absolutely essential things. But the goal is that it would result in transformation in our lives. And we know this, because chances are you know somebody who has gone to church every time there has been a service, anytime the door is open, they have been there. Anytime there's an event, they're there. But they're still as mean and angry as they were 20 years ago. There's been no change. Or maybe you know somebody, they have a Bible, and it is 10 feet thick, and it's got papers and bookmarks and been highlighted in it, which is all wonderful stuff. But they're still as selfish as they were when they first came to Christ. And you and I know that's not the way it's supposed to be. We know that. We know that there's got to be, over time, there's got to be something that the Spirit is doing in our lives, bringing about the transformation. And sometimes it's because we get them mixed up and we think, well, my only job as a Christian is just to read my Bible and check. I've done it, so I guess I'm good to go. So over these next three weeks, starting next week, we're going to invite all of you to participate in a daily practice together. And in fact, 
we're going to invite you to do it twice a day. So before you throw something, this is going to start next week. So you've got a week just to relax and chill out before it begins. And here's what we're hoping. That as a whole church family, that we will participate together in a morning practice, a beginning of the day, and an evening practice, an end of the day. It'll be simple. It's about six minutes long. It's relatively accessible. And its goal is to create space in your day, for you to pay attention to the work of God in your life. And again, it's all about habits. I have known people over the years who are spiritual giants. Their faith is not flashy, but it's deep. It's profound. They know God and love Him deeply. And as I've gotten to know those people more and more and more, underneath that faith is a habit of spending time with the Lord in some way scripture reading and prayer being a part of that, other ways of of, of getting to know the Lord, but undergirding this profound faith over many years has been this practice of spending time with the Lord. They did not instantly become people of great faith, and they did not accidentally become people of great faith. It was undergirded by these life-giving habits. And so here's the good news for you. It's going to mean you get to spend more time on your phone because we're actually going to give you an app to use that will have a morning practice and an evening practice on it. You can download it. It's really easy to use. It literally has morning and evening. Whatever one you pick, that's how it works. For some of you who would say, nah, I don't have a phone. There's no way I'm going to make my devotional life electronic and use my phone, that's not a problem. We will have other options for you as well. Some of you might say, no, 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 I'm doing something right now in my devotional life that is really working. Great. Don't change it. Keep doing what you're using, but continue to set this time aside in the morning and in the evening where you can spend this time with the Lord. Maybe you want to share it with somebody. If you're in a family, maybe you want to make this part of your daily practice or a couple. Uh, maybe you have a friend that you want to call and you want to do this together over the phone. Uh, we're actually going to create some helps for you um, starting next Monday, not tomorrow, but the Monday after. We're going to have a morning and an afternoon, a 7 a.m. and a 12.30 at lunch opportunity for you to join us online. We'll participate in the practice together have a short conversation about it. It will be no more than 30 minutes, but maybe that'll just be the help you need to get into this groove and into this rhythm. Let me tell you why we're doing this. So as a pastoral staff, as we visit with you folks and as we talk to people, we notice things, kind of trends or themes, and one of them would be there's a desire among some of you right now to get your spiritual life back engaged. That these last few years have been really difficult. They've been disorienting. And you need something to get you going. You need some focus. You need some structure. You need some encouragement. And we hope that by participating in this activity together, in this habit, it will get you moving again in the right direction. Also, we know for some of you, you're really tired. You're still feeling fatigued and the challenge of thinking, oh my goodness, am I going to really do this twice a day feels a little bit overwhelming. Let me tell you, um, this resource, um, it's so simple to use. All you need to focus on is showing up and having an open heart to the Lord in the moment. 
It will lead you through and guide you by the hand very, very easily. And for some of you, we know that you are just in a really difficult spiritual battle right now. And you need to kind of fortify your heart and make sure that you are meeting with the Lord on a regular basis to get from Him what you need to face the challenges that you are facing each and every day. So next week, we're going to start it. We'll give more information. But today, really, the only thing I want you to ask yourself is, when will you do this? As part of your morning routine that hardly ever changes, think about your time in the morning. When will you carve out some time? Whether you use the resource that we offer you, or you continue using one that you really like, will you take some time in the morning and in the evening to meet with the Lord, to open your heart to Him, and see what He might want to do in you and through you? We're going to transition here to the, uh, to the Lord's table this morning. And as we do, I just wanted to get us thinking about the privilege that we have for another moment of encounter. A number of years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, he and his wife had adopted uh, a little girl. She was probably eight or nine years old when, when she came to live with them. And he was telling me the story that, you know, she had come from a really, really difficult home life really difficult, really poor, and oftentimes was really not sure if and when there was going to be a next meal. And so as she was growing up, when supper was served, uh, whatever it was, she would eat as much as she could, and she would take food and hide it in her pockets and hide it in her room because she wasn't sure when the next meal was going to be. She was fearful. And so this became her pattern growing up year after year, and so then she went into foster care, and when she came to live with them and was adopted into their family, he said the challenge was every meal she ate everything that was on the table, and oftentimes she was sneaking food and, and hiding it in her room because she was afraid there might not be another meal today, there might not be another meal tomorrow. And he said, you know, after a few months, they decided that after supper one night, after she'd eaten everything on her plate and everything that was served to her, he got up from the table and he took her by the hand and he took her over to the pantry and he opened the cupboard door, which was filled with groceries. And he said, look, there's, there's enough for you here. And then he took her over to the fridge and he opened the door and she looked in and she saw all the food that was in the, in the fridge and they said, look, there's, there's enough food for you here. And then they took her down to the basement to the great big deep freeze and popped the lid open and she looked in and saw all the food that was in the freezer as well. And they said, look, there's enough food for you here. As we think about creating this space in our day where we can meet with the Lord, as we think about the time that we're going to have here at the Lord's table this morning, there's enough for you. And that whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with in this season, whatever's going on in your heart and in your life, Jesus is enough for you in this time. And it's our hope and prayer that as you spend this time in his presence, listening to him and allowing him to lead you through, that you will discover the abundance of grace and mercy that is available to you each and every day. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have made yourself available to us. 
We thank you that as we gather here today, that you long to meet us where we're at, welcome us, remind us that we are your daughters and your sons, and to expand our hearts and our minds to see that there is more than enough here for everything that we will face. And that, God, we can lean into you in these moments and receive from you what it is that you long to give us. We pray this in your name. Amen.